It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, May 2nd, 2013. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My father, Greg Gwynn, is with me. My name is Jacob Gwynn. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. Always looking forward to our Thursday night Bible study. Looking forward to that and looking forward to hearing from our listeners. The number is toll-free and the line is open, 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. And uh, in the chat room to the right of your video window, join in there. Uh, you can find uh, that to the right of your video window. Follow the instructions at the bottom of the chat window to sign in and chat with other listeners on the program tonight. Yeah, you can sign in. don't have to have an account. Just give yourself a name, your real name or a pseudonym. Uh, we don't care, just so we can kind of identify who's talking, and we'll try to make reference to our comments in the chat room as we go along. And got a good crowd in the back of the room. We tonight. actually got a live studio audience tonight, yeah. so uh, uh, we'll try to get some comments from some who are setting in. All right. Well, well it, hopefully we will get a lot of comments because I think you've got a couple good topics for us uh, tonight. Jake, we always say that you know if you have thoughts, uh, something to discuss, send it to us. Uh, we'll we'll try to work it in at one point or another. I had a couple things that had been in the stack of, of one submissions. Of these, one of these have been here for a few weeks. So yeah, uh, the they've been here for a while, and yeah. so uh, I thought maybe we put two together. Sometimes we put six or eight together for a program. Tonight we're just going to do two because we had two people who tended to sort of uh, disagree with positions that have been taken. So one of them disagrees with a position that we had taken on the program. The other is sort of with a traditional view uh, and probably something that we've said on the virtual Bible. Yeah, this one wasn't directed at us in, uh, specifically, but yeah. it was written and published in a, a religious publication. Yeah. And yeah. it was very shocking. All right. So uh, basically, our topics for discussion tonight are going to be about smoking and the proper use of the church building. Okay. So two kind of hot-button topics, and we hope we can get some good discussion going. The building's about not on fire. It's not a smoking building right now, but we're going to talk about... It may get smoking. that way. It may. Yeah. We want to uh, hear from you, though, on the program tonight. We'll do the smoking first, and then we'll do yeah. the building second. So, so, so in the here. second half of the program, we'll be talking about the proper use of the church building. But let's start out with this. Okay. As you said, Jacob, this was found in a publication, a religious publication. Uh, this fellow is a preacher. Uh, and I've tried, I tried to be honest. I had to sort of excerpt the article in order to put it into our update. It was rather, rather lengthy. Rather lengthy. But I think I've got the gist of it. Yes. And so I'm going to yeah. read that here okay. for those who didn't get our update. By the way, if you don't get the update, you always can just simply send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. At questions at collegeview.com, just say, add me to the list. We'll do that. On Thursday, we send out our update telling you our topics and asking some questions. That's what we did today. And here's what we asked. It was based upon this quote. It said, now the classic smoking is a sin argument goes something like this. In other words, he's posing what we would maybe say in opposition to smoking. He says it goes like this. Paul said your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Smoking is bad for your body, so doing something bad for your body is violating the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now, that's how he poses the position. Now, his, his response to that. Well, I suppose we might be able to ascribe some small validity to this line of argumentation if we could do away with verse 18. In verse 18, Paul specifically says he is talking about fornication. And not only does he say that, he further specifies that all sins are without the body except fornication, which is the only sin against the body. Having said this, I occasionally have some well-intentioned brother state that there's a principle here that we should observe. I agree. There is a principle. We not only should observe it, we must. And that principle is flee fornication. Not smoking is not a principle we glean from this passage. We sort of jumped into it. That passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Yeah, we should say that. First Corinthians, verse 15. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 15 through 20. The key verses are 19 and 20 in 1 Corinthians 6. Okay. Now he goes on to say, and this has really gotten under his skin, because notice the strong wording here. He says, what is particularly galling 
is having or at least attempting to have this conversation with brethren who are morbidly obese, eat copious quantities of barbecue buffets, and who have no more acquaintance with physical exercise than I do with the lifestyles of the rich and famous. If we're going to condemn smokers for being unhealthy, then why are we not going to condemn our obese and inactive brethren as well? The fact that so many brethren have chosen to twist scriptures to make a passage which Paul tells us deals only and explicitly with sexual sin into a prohibition against a practice, smoking, that didn't even exist in Corinth at the time the passage was written, while refusing to apply the actual teaching of the apostle, demonstrates the ease with which we may slip into substituting our own opinions for Bible doctrines. Okay. Uh, I would say that uh, this fellow has painted with a really broad brush. I mean, he's he, especially in his in his uh, applications or conclusions. Well, now he has a problem with this argument, but he goes on and, and, and further in the in the article basically says he doesn't think smoking is a yeah, sin. He might, and even implies that at another point in the article that he might smoke sometime in the future. He doesn't yeah. now, but he, 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 pro- didn't he have probably any plans won't. to. But, he, not but, but it wouldn't be a problem. The implication if he did. was that it wouldn't be bad if he did. Okay. So. Um, what about that? So we ask this question. What about this text, 1 Corinthians six fifteen through 20? Mm-hmm. Can it be applied to any sins other than sexual immorality? Okay. Now, I hope our listeners, if you've got your Bibles open, and I hope you will, go to that text. And let me read to you from the, this is the New American Standard Version, 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Mm-hmm. Now, for my part, when I use this passage in addressing any number of things, but in particular, if I was to use this verse to address smoking, mm-hmm. a lot of people want to key in on that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and therefore you, can't, you shouldn't do anything to harm your body. I have a little trouble relating to that. I'm just not exactly sure how that. I, I mean, it, it just it just doesn't click with me. I mean, that's not the part of the verse that I think is probably the most powerful. The verse says that I think the part that's easy to understand in that verse is, "You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. So what? Therefore, glorify God in your body." I can understand that. In other words, I belong to God. I was bought with the price paid by Jesus' shed blood. Therefore, it is my purpose for existence to glorify God with my body. In other words, the things I do in my body should be to the glory of God. And smoking is not that. I, I don't glorify God when I smoke. And so that if, if I'm using that passage, I'm not keying in on your body as the temple of the Holy Spirit so much as I am the fact that I am not my own, I've been bought with a price, and I'm supposed to gl- use my body to glorify verses God. Verses 19 and 20 are a generic principle. There is a specific application in verse 18. But if uh, if Brent's argumentation is correct, the only way you could glorify God in your body is by not committing fornication. And that simply is not the case. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he discounts the idea that there's a principle stated there that has broader application. Certainly, right. nobody is doubting. Nobody's disagreeing. With the fact that the context immediately is about sexual sin, fornication. Right. It certainly, it certainly is there. But in lots of passages, we take the concept stated and see how it applies to other things as well. Right. And that's what we're doing with that passage. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567. Let us know your thoughts. Questions at collegeview.com. Sign in the chat room and join in with listeners there. Uh, we have some list- some listener responses. Uh, Lane is, says he's extremely interested in both topics, uh, but he won't be able to listen to live tonight. All he can say about smoking, he says, is that it is unwise in both financial and health realms and that it has a negative effect on the Christian's reputation. It is also used as an outlet to get away from troubles. It is unwise in both the health and but, but you uh, couldn't financial. Say it. You can say it's if, sinful to be unwise. In other words, if it's, it's just a, unwise, then you could say, well, it's an unwise judgment, but you, have, you can make the judgment. Yeah. I think we have to say it's more than unwise. Yeah, I mean, but then it, when he goes on to talk about a negative effect on the Christian's reputation, well, that that has to be that has to be taken into consideration. That needs to be taken into consideration. That, that's an issue. Yeah. Also, when he says it's an outlet to get away from troubles, I think that implies something about the addictive, addictive. qualities right. of nicotine. Right. And we'll talk about that a little bit, too. Yeah, it's not a sin to be unwise. Yeah. Some could say I'm unwise for leaving the keys in my car when I park it. I actually think that's probably a good thing. Well, it, well, it when, okay. If anybody knew what your car was well, like. Well, they, my car won't. St- it, I have trouble getting the key in and out, so I just leave it. But see, people, 
it gets worn out. But people le- people do things that are unwise. That's not necessarily un- uh, sinful if it's unwise. Right. But yeah. uh, it is a problem when you when it harms your reputation and uh, if it is addictive. We got an email from Aaron in Singapore, way over on the other side of the world. We hadn't heard from Aaron in a while. Aaron always has good things to say and always challenges our thinking. We ask, can you apply that passage, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, to other things besides smoking? Or, excuse me, to other things besides sexual immorality, like smoking. He said, yes, the principle of the temple applies to things other than fornication. Paul is arguing from a generic principle to a specific application, but not the only application. So when he says in verse 20 that we are bought and should glorify our owner, the application is not limited to avoiding fornication. Avoiding fornication is one way we glorify God, but not the only way. However, my difficulty in applying this principle to smoking is that if we adopt the interpretation that physical damage to the body is sinful then that principle has nothing to do with fornication, which is not damaging to the body. And he says, of course, some associated diseases could be physically harmful. But Paul, Paul isn't saying that fornication is, the only ba- is only bad if you catch some bug from it. Mm. What damages the temple in this case is that it is being used for an unholy purpose, not that it was damaged physically. My oh. body sustains damage in a number of ways that I believe are not sinful. Mm. So I think Aaron is on the mark there. In other words, what's wrong with fornication is not that it harms the body, because it doesn't necessarily harm the body. Right. What it does, though, is it defiles the temple of the Holy Spirit uh-huh. and does not bring glory to God who owns us. And so I think Aaron is saying about the same thing I was trying to say. Only probably said it better. <laughs> well, thank you, Aaron. Uh, uh, no comment. Um, Jim in Kentucky. Uh, where in the Bible does it mention that overeating is a sin? I've heard that gluttony is one of the seven deadly sins, but I cannot read of it in the New Testament. However, let us assume that you're right and that overeating is sinful. How does that help you? How does pointing out that someone else is sinning absolve you of your sin? Besides this, eating is a necessity. God provided for eating to be the way that we restore the body's nutrients. No, smoking is a, not a necessity. It so serves no purpose other than that of forming a habit. Uh, he goes on uh, to your question about uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, whereas, yes, the immediate context of 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20 is speaking about fornication, but the application is for every sin. The main point that Paul is making is that one's body belongs to God. We are to honor him with our bodies and not engage in any sins. When we become members of the body of Christ, we are partakers of God's fellowship because a purchase price, the blood of Christ, has been paid for our sins. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. Because we are bought. We do not have a right to do with our bodies as we please. Yeah, and so he's stressing the same thing, too. So I, I think that that maybe uh, the one who wrote this article has sort of constructed a straw man. Right. That, that he's, he's trying to pose an argument for us that we don't make. Right. And, and so he builds this straw man, and then he tears it down. Well, he hasn't accomplished anything, because that's not how we're using that passage. Okay. Right? Good. All right. right. Uh, what about, and Jim talked about this a little bit. What about the second part of that uh, was, um, well, but before we go to that, before we go to that, what arguments, uh, I wanted to ask, and probably should have asked in our update questions, what arguments are you going to make against smoking, Jacob? Well, well uh, there's lots of arguments. We're going to, we're going to, I think we're going to use that First Corinthians six verses nineteen and twenty. We're not going to use it like like this author said we use it. I think we're going to use that text. But what else uh, would we do? What other arguments would we? Well, we've make? got the uh, we've got the problem of an, of an addiction, and that's uh, very obvious uh, that we have to be careful of addiction. And as uh, Lane mentioned, and I think uh, in in today's day and age, this may not have been uh, as an effective argument. 50 or 60 years ago, but in today's society, you've got to look at your reputation because smoking is frowned on by our society today. 50 or 60 it, years it ago, was, it, it was 50. Uh, Arthur Haynes is in, okay. in the no. room with us tonight. Arthur, 50 or 60 years ago, people who smoked, it was considered a, a, a bad thing, wasn't it? Even back then. Yeah. Okay, we got to give, well, well, we give gotta, Arthur gotta, a, we gotta, the there, microphone. There you go. All right. You can just pull it off there, and uh, you just got to manhandle. There, there you, you go. go. All right. Go ahead, uh, it's ready for you there. Go ahead. You don't nothing. You're ready. Yeah. Not that I'm all that old, but uh, I, I've never, now you can remember 50 years yeah, ago. Yeah, I won't say. Uh, <laughs> I won't say how much older, but anyway, I've never. You won't uh, say how old you were 50. Ever years. thought of it as being a good thing? No. And it's always frowned on. And I can remember just as a child how that I would see those two fingers just, just oh yalla 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 those two. 
and to see a person roll that cigarette, he'd just smoke it all the way down till it would burn his fingers. You know, and then blow that smoke but, out. And, and so what you're basically saying was even back then you remember it as being a oh, bad yeah. thing and yeah. a person's reputation was harmed by the use of tobacco. Oh, yeah. And and I can remember even, too, when um, I attended this congregation and where they had to uh, break there after classes. And here went, to, oh, I don't know, four or five or whatever, out on the front porch smoke. You know, it just, it just didn't look oh, good. Oh, one place where, where yeah. I was uh, years ago. You had to fight your way through a fog of smoke to get in the door in between Bible class and worship, and and it was a very bad thing. Look what Paul said there in that very same chapter, in verse 12. He says, all things are, are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any, but I won't be enslaved. Yeah, I had I that in my yeah. note, too. Uh, the 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 yeah. first, that's First Corinthians six twelve that Arthur right. just read, that where he says Paul said I will not be brought under the power of any, and literally the word there is for bondage or addiction. The Revised Standard Version uses the word enslaved. Well, a, a person who who's addicted to nicotine and smoking tobacco is enslaved. He's in bondage. He's addicted. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. Yeah, and the New American Standard Version says, I will not be mastered by anything. Well, the person has become mastered by his use of tobacco. Paul said, contrarywise, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, I buffet my body and I make it my slave, lest possibly after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. In other words, he worked to make sure his body was answering to him, not his body answering to some addictive thing right. and so i think the addiction thing is big the the reputation thing is yeah. big the influence yeah. we're supposed to be lights in this world uh, yes exactly titus 2 verse 8 to paul told uh timothy that, that, that those are the contrary part ought to be ashamed having no evil thing to say of us in our society especially today it was even in in older in other times but especially today the public sentiment against smoking and the image and reputation that those who smoke carry uh, in our society today, is not one that is uh, consistent with uh, Christian. Philippians 2.16, Paul says um, uh, that we're in a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. We're supposed to hold forth the word of life. Uh, uh, you know, to, to anybody who would, any Christian who would try to argue in favor of smoking, I'd just ask it. here's this lost person, and you're going to go try to sh- share the gospel with them. Would you have a lit cigarette in your hand while you're trying to teach them? Or would you realize that you wouldn't do that? If, if you realize that you wouldn't do that, that that wouldn't be good to do, then you have to think about why would it be good to do it any time. We're overdue for a break. Yeah. We'll, get, uh, we'll get to that on the other side. It, Kevin in the chat room, uh, he maybe has a verse that talks about secondhand smoke. He says, when, the Mount si- when Mount Sinai smoked, the people moved away. Should we do the same <laughs> with a smoker? He references Exodus 20, verse 8. They saw that the mountain was smoking, and when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. Uh, well, maybe I, so. I like to fi- practice that myself. Maybe but, so. All right, when we okay. get back, we want to take this question about overeating. In other words, uh, I may smoke, but you're fat, so, so what? So, so what? Oh, you know, that, yeah. That's basically the argument that, right. that, that the author's making in this article. We'll deal with that when we get what back. What about it? Uh, overeating, and how does that compare to smoking? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Do you remember when the emphasis of the work of the church was on teaching the gospel, converting the lost, and strengthening the saints? Can you recall good old-fashioned gospel preaching that appealed to the Bible as the sole and final authority in all religious matters? Are you tired of seeing churches that seem much more interested in social events and entertainment than in simply following the New Testament pattern? Would you love to hear lessons from the pulpit like you used to hear? Do you want to find a church that is still doing things the way you remember from years ago? If these things describe the way you are feeling, please visit the College View Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. A nominal Christian, if such a term may be rightly employed, is one who follows Jesus so long as the Master's teachings do not infringe upon his life's practices. Learn from others' mistakes. You can't live long enough to make them all yourself. Man, wish I'd said that. 
For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. Welcome back to the program tonight as we talk about smoking. We're getting into a discussion later on about the use of the church building. That'll come in the half, second half of our program. But we've got, we're talking about smoking now, addressing an article written by a gentleman named Brent where he says you can't use 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20 to condemn smoking. And he says there's nothing wrong with smoking. Yeah, but he, he said it's particularly galling to have uh, this conversation with brethren about smoking when they are morbidly obese, eat copious quantities of barbecue buffets, and who have no more acquaintance with physical exercise than I do with the lifestyles of the rich and famous. If you're going to condemn smokers for being unhealthy, then why are we not going to condemn our obese and inactive brethren? Well, you know, again, he's basing that, in other words, he's basically attacking us for teaching against smoking and basing his whole proposition on the fact that we say the reason it's wrong to smoke is because it's harmful to the body. We, I don't make that argument. Now, I think some people probably do, but that's and even even those who do, I don't think that's the strongest no, argument they, no. they have. He's to acting offer. like that's well, that's the only argument that's the only you got, ar- so smoking's yeah. okay. Yeah, that, that's not our only argument. Yeah. But what about the idea? You know, so can we say that overeating is a sin? I, I don't know. In in uh, I noticed in Jim's uh, email from Kentucky, he said uh, he asked the question, "Where does it say?" Uh, where does the Bible mention that overeating is a sin? I've heard that gluttony is one of the deadly seven deadly sins, but I can't read of it in the New Testament. Uh, I think probably you can get close to it in the New Testament. Sure. Uh, in Luke chapter 7, verses 31 through 34, uh, Jesus' enemies were attacking and criticizing him, and they said, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, now, those were false charges, of course. Jesus was not a gluttonous man or a wine-bibber, but that's what they said about him. But they were saying that to to try and say there was something wrong with him. Mm-hmm. And so, in other words, it was understood in New Testament times that gluttony was a sign of sinfulness. Yes. Uh, uh, so uh, I would probably argue that, uh, and certainly it would, would indicate... Um, a wrong sense of priorities. Um, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, beginning verse 22, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. The life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. Uh, John six, verse 27, Jesus said, labor not for the meat, which perisheth but for the meat, which endures to eternal life. Yep. So uh, I would say you could probably come close. I mean, maybe you could quibble that, uh, it, it's never specifically stated. Gluttony's never specifically stated as a sin in the New Testament. But we're, whether it is or not is not the issue. We're also commanded to be sober, to have self-control. Self-discipline. I think that uh, and self-discipline. And I think that would be another area where you'd have to ask yourself, "Am I practicing self-control? If this yeah, is a problem." Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Okay. But the the, the question is. And and Jim said this in his email. What if we were to grant without argument that gluttony is a sin? Does that mean that it's okay since since one guy commits this sin, then it's okay for another guy to yeah, that, commit that, a different that, sin? That, 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 that doesn't I'm argue. really surprised that that argument is being made here. Right, that, that doesn't prove anything. Second uh, um, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, uh, Paul tells us if we compare ourselves among ourselves, we are not wise. And I think that's what Brent is doing here with this argument. He does he hasn't proven uh, that one thing is right because he shows that something else is sinful. Yeah. Yeah, uh, let's read. Let's read uh, in our chat room tonight. Uh, Jack uh, says uh, he says uh, we must take our body. Uh, we must keep our bodies under control. It's not just smoking. I know we all agree that overeating is also not good for our bodies. We have so many health issues as a result of overeating. Many of the same things we say about smoking, we can say about overeating. Jesus in Luke 12 verse 15 said uh, to be on your guard against every form of greed. Webster defines defines greedy as having a driving appetite for food or drink and wanting more than one needs or more than one's fair share as of food or wealth. The Hebrew word for glutton meant belly, so being greedy for food is as dangerous as smoking. Kevin, uh, in, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, but I myself have discussed obesity with brethren who need to hear about it. 
so the premise of the person asking the question assumes that no one confronts the sin of gluttony, the same as smoking. However, I, for one, am consistent in my application of going to my brother. Uh, Mike in the chat room says, seems to be another straw man argument from Brent. Smoking is okay because gluttony or overeating is? So, there you uh, go. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Again, I would go to what we were saying. You know, there are things that we do that are potentially dangerous to our body that are not sinful. Uh, for instance, driving a car is a pretty dangerous it proposition. It is. Uh, and people get hurt and killed right. driving cars. Yeah. So should we not drive in a car? Uh, because there's the potential to harm our body. Right. No, we don't make that argument. Right. right? So, I, I, again, I'm not. My argument against smoking is not that it harms the body, although it, it clearly does, and yeah. and overeating clearly does too. But that's that's not what the Bible is addressing yeah. here. It, it, the Bible doesn't say don't do anything that would potentially harm your body. I go out it, in the yard. I go out in the yard from time to time, and I use. Uh, you know, maybe I'm doing a lot of work, and I get blisters. You shouldn't have done that. You hurt I your hurt body. My body. See, I, I don't think that's a fair argument. Right. Uh, and, and, that's, I, I, and that's probably misguided for us to hone in on that when the, when the argument is we're supposed to glorify God with our body. Yeah. Uh, we belong to him. We were bought with a price. That's, that's what that passage, that's what 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So use your body in ways that glorify God. And so have self-control, avoid and, addiction, and, 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 watch your reputation. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So uh, th- those that would be the way I would argue that. Okay. Uh, Aaron in Singapore says one problem does not justify another. In other words, he, the guy, the, the smoker points to the fat guy and he says, since you're fat, it's okay for me to smoke. No, he says one problem doesn't justify another. Uh, uh, say, you, see, I, since you smoke, I can drink. Yeah. Yeah, or if you smoke, or, I can fornicate. Yeah, yeah. Why, why not? Yeah. He says, though it would be fair to point out that if a preacher were targeting one sin and ignoring another of the same kind, that the answer to this brother's question is that we ought to con- that we ought to condemn gluttony. I will say obesity because one may be overweight. I will not say obesity because one may be overweight for certain reasons other than failure to control the appetite. But it is fair to say that if one uses the argument that physical harm to the body is sinful, then he has to consider whether failing to exercise is equally sinful. After all, failing to burn off 500 calories has exactly the same effect as ingesting an extra 500 calories. The real problem is not the physical effect. It's the failure to bring the flesh into subjection. I believe that the problem with smoking has more to do with addiction and physical dependency than on harming the body. Though to be consistent, I have to say the same thing about my brethren who proudly announced that they just can't function without that first cup of coffee in the morning. If otherwise healthy people said the same thing about their first dose of Vicodin, in the morning, we'd all uh, recognize that as a problem. But for some reason, saying it about coffee is okay. So, in other words, he brings up another okay. uh, potential problem yep. of addiction yep. to right. caffeine. Okay, thank you, uh, Aaron, for that. And then Jim says, obese Christians provide no justification for any sin. Again, if we condemn obese Christians, and who gets to decide what is obese? Uh, because we are saying that overeating or being overweight is a sin, then the same argument can be made for any sin. It is to be condemned. Or as Paul himself asked, and thinkest thou, O man, uh, think thou this, O man, that uh, judgest them which uh, do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Romans 2, verse 3. Your sins are not my license to sin. Thank you, Jim. Right, exactly right. Okay. Yeah, Arthur's got a comment, Jake. Go ahead. Proverbs uh, 23rd, chapter and verse 2. You get your back up there closer. Um, Proverbs 23 and verse 2. And put a knife to... Thy throat, if a man be given to appetite. And then Proverbs 25, 25, verse 16, Hath thou found honey, eat so much as sufficient for thee, lest I be filled therewith and vomited. Yeah. Okay, so self-control. Again, I think those passages go to the idea of self-control. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. Okay, so I think we've dealt with that. Uh, again, I think a false argument in this article that we're analyzing. Finally, do you think in any of this that we he says that we uh, have twisted the scriptures in using this passage the way we do and that we are substituting our own opinions for Bible doctrines? I I, I deny uh, the allegation and I deny the alligator, as they often say. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's just not true. We don't make that case. Uh, he's he's tried to make a case in this article. That we don't make, and then he's then he's attacked us for making the argument right. that we never made. Right. Right. You know, uh, so uh, um, 
we're not twisting the scriptures. We're saying we're, we're trying to use that passage accurately. And that's what he's all wound up about. So I think we are. Okay. All right. Um, Aaron says uh, it is human tendency to do this and not just about the Bible. We have to be honest enough to listen to opposing points of view and evaluate them fairly. Confirmation bias, the tendency to weigh evidence more heavily when it agrees with what we think already is a challenge for everyone. Thank you, Aaron, for that. Jim says, are we guilty of twisting the scriptures? No. There are enough passages of scripture that condemn abuse of the body to justify our teaching against tobacco. Tobacco contains a drug, nicotine. It's used to kill things. In the past, nicotine was used as an insecticide. It's also used in larger quantities as a pesticide. Would you inhale an insecticide or a pesticide? In smaller quantities, such as in cigarettes, it acts as a stimulant and is habit-forming. Chewing, dipping, and snuff release much larger doses of nicotine in the body and much quicker than smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes on to say, beyond that, we must ask if using tobacco is something whereby I can say, it allows me to present my body as a living sacrifice, Romans 12.1. It is something that is lawful, but is it expedient, 1 Corinthians 6.12. Does it allow me to rightfully say that I'm practicing temperance, self-control, when I partake of a drug which is clearly habit-forming, Galatians 5.23. Can I claim that my use of it conforms to the apostolic admonition to consider those things which are true, honest, just, pure, loving, of good report, and virtuous, Philippians 4.8. Please also consider Romans 14. If one believes that smoking in and of itself is right and one's brethren believe it to be wrong, then what should one's attitude be? Should we say, well, they're ignorant of my rights and so I'm going to do it. Uh, Paul's admonition was that if we think something is right and we believe it is something we can do and it is a matter of liberty which offends another, then as a mature Christian, we should abstain from it. So there's another argument against the use of tobacco. All right. He says, my personal story, one of the things that was helpful when I was trying to decide to leave the Catholic Church and be baptized in the body of Christ was watching a priest as he smoked and drank beer. I asked myself right then, is this what Jesus would do? Is this what he would approve of? Since we're taught that the that priests are the representatives of Christ on earth, I did not think that Jesus would be walking around with a Marlboro and a bud. That image was helpful in my leaving the Catholic Church. All right. Guest 69 in the chat room says, self-control is the issue at hand. Yes. And I would say, yes, I think it is. Well, it's one of the issues, uh, and I agree with that. Uh, Guest 69 goes on. There are things There are things all day that I do that are destructive in excess. If I have a cream-filled donut in, my morning, in the morning, what's wrong with a cigarette with my coffee? Uh, well, again, uh, it's not about uh, simply harming the body. It's the, the other factors we've talked about as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and Kevin says smoking is the specific question, but self-control is part of the solution. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, okay. Yes, 69 says, what are you sacrificing if you don't even want to smoke? Well, you're, you're showing that you're in self, you have, you have self-control because you're avoiding the habit. Yeah, you know, and I, just to reemphasize something that was said in one of the comments, you know, there's a difference between eating and smoking. I have to eat some. And therefore, by virtue of the fact that I have to eat some, I'm always working on trying to control that, not overeat, not eat excessively. But I got to eat some. Yeah. I don't have to smoke any. I don't have to use tobacco any. And so, you know, that ought to be a lot easier line to draw. And for a Christian who wants to glorify God in his body, mm-hmm. that should be a no-brainer. All right, let's get a break. And then I think we're going to need all the time that we have left on the next question. You want to tell us what that is? The next question has to do with a comment that was sent in from a uh, listener concerning the proper use of the church building. So we'll go to that when we get back. All right. Can you use the church building? What if people donate the equipment? What if we, could we have a kitchen in the basement if it's donated, a donated kitchen? We'll talk about that. Let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Who can deny the importance of reading the Bible? It is the inspired word of God, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. It's the light to guide us in this life, Psalms 118, verse 105. It's the standard by which we will be judged, John 12, verse 48. And it is able to save our souls, James 1, verse 21. And so for most of us, the question is not, should we read the Bible? We know that we should, but in all honesty, we have to admit that we don't read it as often or as thoroughly as we should. The reality of this situation reflects a basic problem of our attitude. Too often, the few moments that we do spend in study of God's Word are prompted from an I-have-to viewpoint, when in reality, we'll never be very good Bible students until we can approach this study with an I-want-to attitude. 
Someone has suggested that the Bible should be read in much the same way you might read a love letter. Did anyone ever have to force you to read a love letter? Of course not. When such a letter arrives in the mail, you tear open the envelope and quickly read through the letter to get the main ideas. But then, before laying the letter aside, you read it again, this time more slowly, hoping to get even more meaning. You'll probably read the letter again several times, pondering carefully over every word before finally putting it away in some special place to be saved. Why all the interest in this letter? Because it's from someone you love. Now, have you ever thought about the Bible in that same way? Surely it will affect your attitude toward this love letter from God. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 13, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3, 17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. We'll remind you the program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and we welcome your questions or comments anytime at questions at collegeview.com. Wrapping up a discussion about smoking. Going to get on to this question about uh, eating in the church building. Uh, guest 69 in the chat rooms continue to make some arguments about um, about eating things that are harmful. Again, we're not making that argument against smoking. Uh, some may, but we haven't made that argument tonight. And so we won't talk about that. I guess we'll, we just want to be clear. We're not, that's not the, the argument we're using against smoking. We have a lot of other arguments that we've made and we presented uh, that uh, don't that would uh, condemn smoking. Okay, All let's right. let's go move. Ahead. We need, as you said, Jacob, we need our, our time to, to go this other direction. <clears throat> we had an email that was sent in to us, uh, someone who had listened to a past program we did about the authority for the church building and its proper uses. And he, he, here's what he said. He said, uh, and he was, very, he, he was very congenial and he commended the program, but he said, I would agree that we do need to be careful in how we use the building, but always remembering that that's exactly what it is. That is a building. Mm-hmm. Where I attend, we have a basement with a sink, fridge, and stove, items that were donated for the use of all. Baby showers and wedding anniversaries, as well as funeral dinners, have been held there. It's also used as a polling place. I would agree to build such a space would not be using the Lord's money wisely. We had the room. The needed items were donated. We do have a dinner after services once a month, a potluck. No money from the treasury is used on any of these things. We have several examples of brethren, and then he goes on. He says, we have several examples of brethren eating together. In other words, he's talking about in the scriptures. So are we saying there is something special with the building? We know that the church is the people, not the building. If it's wrong to eat together is this in this non-special building, then it's wrong to eat together anywhere. Would it not be? He's asking the question. He, he's making a statement and asking if we would believe that. Those of the first century when they met in each other's homes, do you suppose that there were any food preparation areas there? All right, so I that... Can, I, th- I think I can answer uh, this argument from Jeff. Let's assume, Jeff, that, that you have a unfinished basement at your house. And uh, I want to bring a television. I'll donate the television. And I want to have people over to your house, Jeff, on Friday night. We're going to watch an X-rated movie in your basement. And drink beer. And drink beer. You've already got the basement, Jeff. I don't want you to spend any more money. You don't have to paint the walls. You don't have to put down any carpet. You don't have to do anything. Just no. let us in no, there. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring. I'm going to donate the television and the the DVD, whatever it is. And we're going to watch X-rated movies, and you bring. And you're going to donate the refrigerator to keep the beer cold. Yeah. And we'll drink beer and watch X-rated movies in your basement. He's not involved, I guess. I mean, he's, he's not involved. No, 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 no words. On what basis would uh, no, Jeff? No, what, no, what? Obviously, you're being facetious, but the point of it is. Yeah. By Jeff allowing that to take place in his basement, he would be a participant whether he spent any money or not. Right. And that's the, that is exactly the point. You've illustrated it very well. In other words, he's not going to let that be. The, he's not going to let that happen in his house because that's not what his house is for. Right. His house is not for such things as right. that. It's not what it was. That, even though that space was there and even though the items were donated, the fact of the matter is that his allowing it to take place there indicates that he is condoning it. In a, let's do it. Let's do something else. Let's, in a court of law, let's say um, Jeff has the basement. Uh, I'm going to donate the fluorescent lights. You're going to donate the potting soil and the pots, and we're going to grow marijuana in Jeff's basement. Jeff's not going to. Jeff's not. He's not spent any money. He's not done anything. We're growing marijuana in Jeff's basement. 
The FBI comes, raids Jeff's house. Jeff will be going to jail. And Jeff can, Jeff can go to court and say, listen, I didn't, it, I didn't buy those pots of, and the potting soil, and I didn't plant the marijuana. And the, the judge is going to throw him in jail still. Because as an accessory. He's an accessory. Yeah, All right. exactly right. But now, that doesn't, prove, that doesn't prove the point, but it does show that the scenario that Jeff has presented does not make the activity acceptable just because. I think you've done it. Okay. Excellent. Okay. We asked that question, does we had the room and the needed items were donated, make it all right to use the church building for baby showers, wedding anniversaries, and so forth. And I think you've, I think. That's only, but that's only one, one part of the, of the, of the discussion. Only, that's only one part of it. Okay. Let's see what some okay. others have said. Okay. Aaron in Singapore says, no, that does not make it all right. Discussions about this topic focus too often on money, which leads to the, but what if it's free argument? But it's not about the money. It's about the principle of authority. When we talk about expediency, the principle is that the church may provide expedient means for any activity that the church is authorized to undertake. But the reverse is also true. The church may not provide expedient means for any activity that the church is not authorized to undertake. Mm -hmm. If you're wondering whether the church should do something, the first question is, is the church authorized to do it? Not, does it cost money? All right, he goes Uh, on. Money is not the only way that a church gets involved in a work. As an example, we all agree that the church should be involved in benevolent relief of its needy members. If someone donated the food, but the church used its facility to store and distribute the food and assigned one of the deacons to coordinate distribution, surely the church would consider itself to be participating in the work, even though no money was involved. By the same token, when the church uses its assets, money, or property to support some activity, the church is involved. If the activity is not authorized for the church, then the church should not volunteer its money or the use of its assets for that activity. Mm-hmm. One time I was talking with an elder of a church where they did such things as our emailer has suggested, and he and he made exactly the same argument. He said, well, no money is being spent. It's, uh, everything is donated. Uh, but... I asked him, I said, okay, let me, this, this church was, it was the West End Church of Christ. I said, would you allow this? Now the church, it's a softball team. We were talking, we were actually talking about softball teams. Uh, and he was saying, well, the church, there's a softball team here at church, but the church doesn't spend any money. They buy their own equipment. They, they buy their own jerseys and caps. The church is not spending any money. But they put the church's name on the But the name on the church was West End Church of Christ. Softball team. And so I said, well, what if it – change what they're doing. Let's say that you got a team of guys, and they're going to enter a beer chugging contest. And so they put on their T-shirts, West End Church of Christ, beer chugging team. Mm-hmm. Would you let them do that? He said, well, no, obviously no. I said, so what you're saying is when you lend your name to something, whether you spend any money for it or not – you are involved. You're promoting it. You're condoning it. You're you're making it happen. He couldn't see that argument, but I think it's a fair argument. Okay. All right. Good. Thank you for your comments, Aaron. Uh, the answers for Jeff here from from Jim in Kentucky. The main problem again is not understanding the nature and work of the church. The church is not a social club, nor is a business organization. The church exists for the purpose of spreading the gospel, providing for saints to gather together in edification and worship, and to make provision for needy saints. Which area of wedding showers, wedding anniversaries, and potlucks conforms to this work of the church? Having the room and items being donated are not scriptural arguments for any work of the church. Could I set up an accounting practice during tax season because the church had the room and computers and calculators were donated? If not, why not? Could I set up a baseball team because the church had unused property and members donated baseball equipment? If not, why not? Could I run a garage out of the parking lot because there was plenty of room behind the building and members donated the machinery to fix cars? If not, why not? In essence, the excuse becomes a standard and scripture is ignored. I think Jim is on the mark. Uh, in other words, people would say, I've, I've used the example, uh, what if, you know, the, the church building here is not used during daytime hours, during the week typically. There's, a, there's just space here. And I could, I could start a little hot dog stand, you know, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide all of the equipment and bear all of the expense. I just need the space. Mm-hmm. Can I do it? Well, everybody would say, no, you can't do that. Well, it's the same principle. All right. We Again, we're, so the, as Aaron and as Jim have, spe- have uh, uh, illustrated for us here, the issue is not whether or not the church is, in, uh, is spending money. It's whether or not the church is authorized to be engaged in those activities. And I think your next question is going to get to that. Yeah. 
the next part of the question we ask is, do we believe that there's something special with the building? Is there something special with the building? We've got a live comment. We're not used to taking those too much. Yeah, I wanted to comment about something that Jeff had said. He said, I would agree to build such a place would not be using the Lord's money wisely. So he says right there to take the Lord's money and to actually build a place to have those kind of functions would not be using the Lord's money wisely. Well, what's the difference of him using something that they already have in place? So he says if they just build it separate and apart, so that's not using the Lord's money wisely, but yet using what they have is not using the Lord's money wisely. I see what you're saying, Dan. I think you're right. It's kind of an inconsistent position. And this argument sort of has cracked the door open for the outrageous apostasy that we see now. You know, it started off that, well, it would be all right if we moved the pews to the side of the building, the auditorium, and we put tables here and we had a meal. And then that opened the door, and now we've got the family life centers and the gymnasiums and everything else. Yeah, it does. That let the bar down. Something I lived up north in Chicago for 16 years, and one of the things that the Catholic churches would do is they would actually roll the pews out every other month or once a month. They would roll the pews out, and they would actually turn around and roll into slot machines, and they would hang a huge banner up on the wall, and it said Vegas night at the church. And that was something they had done, and they also pitched a real big tent out in the front yard and would have a stakes with signs up that say beer night all right there in the church building. And you're right, Dan. There's just no limit to what some will do. What about this concept, though? How are we doing on time, Jake? We need to take a break. Let's take a break. Let's take our last break. We've got three questions. We've got five minutes for each. When we get back, I want to talk about this assumption that we think there's the argument. Let's say it that way. The argument that's made that we think the church building is special. Actually, we do. And we'll talk about that. Okay. All right. We're going to go to the break. And when we get back, we'll go to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Do you remember a time when no one had ever heard of a church with a family life center or a gymnasium? Can you think back to a time when good brethren would have been outraged to see a church budget overloaded with kitchen equipment and supplies, athletic equipment, and buses to carry kids to amusement parks? Are you concerned because the church you're attending has gotten all wrapped up in things that you know should not even be a part of the work of the church? Would you like to find a congregation that is committed to simply doing Bible things in Bible ways? If so, please visit the College U Church of Christ. Come see for yourself. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A newly released study by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development found that 25.8% of American children live in single-parent homes. That number is particularly troubling when considering that of the 26 other countries surveyed, the average was only 14.9%. Among African Americans, the rate was much worse. 72% of black children grow up in single-parent homes. No-fault divorce and social welfare policies are among the possible explanations for the high rates of single-parent homes in the U.S., that information is via World Magazine. The Word of God says in Ephesians 6, verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the program tonight. We're going to the top of the hour talking about, uh, well, we're going to talk now or continue our discussion about uh, the church building. You asked the question before the break. Is the church building special? What do you think? Is this some kind of holy shrine yeah, or something? Yeah, or? and he said, you know, uh, uh, we should be careful about how we use the building, but always remember that's what it is. It's just a building. You know, it's a not, and then he uses the expression, it's a non-special building. Actually, it is a special building. It's a building that was provided for a specific special purpose. Yes. There are several things that we do here in the church building, but they're all related to spiritual activities, worship, Bible study, teaching, and so forth. Uh, my, my, my wife has that idea about her, <laughs> about her kitchen sink. If I come in all nasty and filthy, she tells me that I should not wash my hands in that kitchen sink. Now, she doesn't think it's some kind of holy shrine or anything like that, but she's... That's that, not that, what the kitchen sink is for. You could go in there and use that mud sink for that. Don't be using my kitchen sink for that. Oh. Same thing. And it, or back to the example you had about a guy, uh, you know, we're going to bring the big screen TV and the refrigerator for cold beer, and we're going to watch x-ray movies and drink cold beer in your basement. Right. 
You say no? What's the matter? You think your house is something special? Yeah, this is just an old dirty basement. It's just a house. What's the deal? Well, well the fact of the matter is it's my house, yeah. and it wasn't provided for the purpose of you coming over there to watch dirty movies and drink beer. Right. In other words, it is just a house, but it, it, it's a house that was provided by me for specific purposes that do not include you watching dirty movies and drinking beer in my basement. All right. And that's what we're saying about the church building. We understand it's just a building of brick and mortar and stick and and, and paint. paint, but it was provided for specific, I can't say, specific and authorized purposes, and and that's the question. It's, it, we're not saying it's we're not saying it's sacred like the temple in the Old Testament was sacred or yeah. sanctified, but it is a building provided for. For specified purposes, we only have authority to use it for the purposes that it was specified to use. All right, uh, let us know your thoughts quickly. We have time to take your thoughts. And the chat room is still going about the smoking issue. We should have probably done this for the whole hour. They haven't uh, even got. They haven't switched to our catch topic up with us, guys. Come, Come on. on, you're gonna have to catch Come on, up. We need some help here. Uh, then Jeff, in his note to us, said, "If it's wrong to eat together in the non-special building, then he says it's wrong to eat together anywhere." Now, how does that follow? I, I mean, to me, there's a logical disconnect there. We're saying there are things that you are not authorized. That this building is not authorized for certain activities. Right. It was provided for, for authorized activities, and it's limited to those activities for which it was provided that are authorized mm-hmm. in the Scripture. And one of them is not eating. Right. You know, uh, Dan in, in, uh, in the room here with us brought up 1 Corinthians 11, verse 34. Uh, if any man hunger, let him eat at home. Let you come not yeah. together for condemnation. The church is not authorized to provide for the eating of common meals. Yeah. And therefore, it, it can't be right for the church to provide facilities for the eating right. of common meals. Right. But we're not saying that it's wrong to eat. And we're yeah. not saying it's wrong to eat together. Yeah, that argument. Just, that argument we I don't even understand that. Right. Yeah, th- there's a guy from work who likes to come to my house and shoot guns. We've shot guns together at my house before. Uh, but it would be it would get us both fired if we went to the office and shot guns. We're not authorized to shoot guns at the office, but we can shoot guns at my house uh, away from away from that setting. And uh, and the same is true with with this. The church ha- would have to be authorized to organize such an event like that. We don't see that that authorization. We do see, however, the individuals being authorized uh, to uh, to engage in those activities. In fact, being commanded to do so. Okay. Um, um Finally, the last part of this question. He said, now let me read this part of the quote. Um, Those of the first century, when they met in each other's homes, do you suppose that there were any food preparation areas there? Now, I've heard this argument made before, too. In other words, to try and justify churches building elaborate kitchens and dining halls, Mm -hmm. the argument is made, well, in the first century, they didn't have church buildings. They met in private homes. Well, we know they did meet in private homes, not exclusively. We know they met in other facilities as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we're not arguing the case. They certainly did meet right. in private homes. Right. Well, in private homes, food is prepared and eaten there. Right. And therefore, since that's where they were meeting in private homes and food was prepared and eaten there, then we can prepare food and eat in the church building because that's where we're meeting. Well, that, that, that opens the door to a lot of other things. What if the home was uh, the home of someone who worked on um, char- uh, chariots? Uh, he and, and in the back room of that house, he had tools for working on chariots. Does that mean, though, well, since he worked on chariots in the home where the church in the first century met, uh, that we could have a chariot repair shop or an automobile repair shop in the back of the church building? You see, you're opening the door yeah. for all kinds of things. Um, one of my favorite passages is in Acts 2 and verse 46 in the very beginning of the church. They continued daily with one accord in the temple. They continued That wasn't daily. a private home. That's right, yeah. But they continued daily with one accord in the temple. Mm-hmm. Get that? And then they were breaking bread from home to home or in the house. In their homes, they were eating their bread. Their what does it say? They received their meat with gladness and singleness That's of heart. Right. Yeah. It was they is in the temple, but they eat at home. I tell you, I, I tell you, this argument I think is a very extremely weak argument. There are a lot of things that we do in our homes. In other words. In those private homes, I don't want to be too indelicate here, but I got to make this point. In the in the first century, when they met in private homes, we know they did meet in private homes sometimes. 
Yes, they, they, there was no doubt food prepared in those homes and eating took place in those homes. There were other things that took place. Um, again, I don't want to be too indelicate, but do you suppose that intimate relations between husbands and wives took place in those private homes as well? So the fact that intimate relations between husbands and wives took place in the private homes where at other times the church met for, for their assemblies, would that argue that if the fact that they prepared food in those homes means we can prepare and eat food in the church building, would that mean that in the church building then we could have husbands and wives engaged in intimate relationship? I mean, if you if, if it proves one thing, it proves everything, and nobody wants to go there. I mean, that, I just think that that's just such a weak and illogical argument. John is oh, – go ahead. Go ahead, Arthur. And when you think about it, really, you know, whose who's money – uh, bought your house. Whose money was it? Who's paying for your house? It's your money. It's your home. What 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 uh, money was used to build this building? Was it not the Lord's money? Why shouldn't it be used for what He wants it to be used for? I think that's right. But I uh, but back to this question: When they met in private homes, is it, does that what could take place in a private home? Is that directly parallel to what can take place in a church building. No, it's, it's totally different. All right, quickly, John says, uh, the, is it the seemingly innocent, seemingly innocent usage? It is the seemingly innocent uses, such as potlucks in the building, which have led to the rise of churches becoming the source of social functions. The argument isn't really about eating in a church building. Uh, he eats in his office. Mothers feed their babies during worship. People with diabetes bring snacks to keep their blood sugar balanced. It's about turning the purpose of the church into that of a social organization. And that is the point. Where is the authority for that? We have authority for the church to be engaged in evangelizing the lost, edifying the saved, and being benevolent towards uh, saints who have uh, physical needs. We can find all three of those works authorized. Beyond that, we have no authority for the church to act and if we say, well, we're going to go without authority here, then you have opened the door and you can go with it in any direction that you want to go. And churches have done that today. All right, real quickly, we've got to go to our emails. Lane wrote in, and, and I think he was a little confused on the subject. Hopefully we cleared it up for him. He says, as for the building, well, that's an issue in and of itself. Since no, since nowhere does it speak of authority to buy a church building in the New Testament, that's wrong. I disagree. It does. We can own church building. I think we have a whole program on uh, that. Yeah. My conclusion is that it's simply a building that was built or bought or rented by Christians for Christians. Now, are there biblical restrictions to what can and can't go on in the building? Well, sure, just like there are restrictions on what can and cannot go on in your home. For instance, drinking, fornication, pornography, swearing, and so forth. But since the building is nothing more than a mere meeting place, it seems fitting that each congregation may deem what is and is not allowed within the said space. No, I disagree with that because, again, it goes to what the church is authorized to do. In other words, if a church met at a family's barn to worship, do they have to meet somewhere else to eat a meal together or spend time conversing once the worship period is over? No, obviously not. If you're eating dinner with saints somewhere and for whatever reason you all decide to praise God in song and worship him, do you have to leave that building to do so since you were eating there? No. Uh, and, again, that's totally misses the point we're trying to make. Here, but. Lane, along those points about the church building, uh, check out the archives for the March 10th, 2011 uh, program, The Authority for the Church Building and Its Use. All right. Uh, um, Again, it's about the, what the church is authorized uh, to engage in and what the church is authorized to act in as a church, not yeah. as individuals. Aaron says, the issue is not can any food be consumed in the same place where worship occurs, though I understand how some people might think that based upon the arguments we sometimes hear. The issue is can the church offer its facilities in support of this activity? I can offer my own facilities for a number of purposes that would not be suitable for the church to support. Exactly right. All right, and Jim in Kentucky tonight says the question is about eating together. It is not wrong for brethren to eat together. It is wrong for brethren uh, It is wrong for brethren to eat together as a function of the church no one is saying that brethren cannot eat together and that has never been the point it is making the eating together a function of the church which is wrong paul clearly condemns this concept of brethren coming together as the church in order to have a common meal first corinthians 11 20 through 22 and verse 34 however let us be clear the church can provide food for its members as was done in Acts 6 1 and 2 if there are widows and it is decided that the church is to make a meal for them, that is another discussion entirely. And he says, the church meeting in private homes. Again, the question is not about eating, but eating a common meal as a function of the body of Christ. 
People slept in their homes. Does that mean we may treat the building as a hotel? People got dressed in their homes. Does that mean the church can provide a tailoring or dry cleaning business? If not, why not? I agree. All right. We're well, time, we are Dave. out of time, and we've got a lot of comments in here. Jack has uh, been sending in quite a few and don't have time to get to those. And uh, lots of good discussion. We missed uh, we missed a, a whole dis- uh, program's worth of discussion about smoking as they continued to talk in the background uh, over us. Uh, for this latter half of the program, but a good discussion there. And, uh, well, we could maybe we do need to spend a whole program on smoking. Again. Well, well, I'm sure we'll revisit that at some point in the future. All right. Uh, good discussion tonight. Um, well, what are we going to talk about next? I don't know. You'll have to decide that. Oh, you're gone next yeah, week. Yeah. So. Oh, well, nobody's going to be here now. <laughs> Thanks for letting the cat out of the bag. Uh, well, a good discussion tonight. Uh, thank you to Larry for being behind the controls and for Dan and Arthur and Joseph for being here to help out with the discussion as well. We had a good night tonight. Joseph, young Joseph, who's Dan's son and, and with us tonight, was baptized earlier this yes. evening, so we're rejoicing in that. Very good for that. All right. Well, Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for being here. and hope you benefited from your study and discussion of God's Word with us tonight. hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock.